0: you have your Bibles, please open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This is part 7 in our series entitled Identity, and I had originally planned on concluding this series today, uh, just so you know, a little bit of the the -the behind-the-scenes thought of this, but as I was studying chapter 4, it looks like we're going to have today and probably uh, one if not two more studies to finish out our series as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, we've been going through this series entitled Identity and looking at what it means to uh, be a follower of Jesus and who you identify with and what your actions actually speak out loud to people. How the church should be uh, in, in a relationship with each other, looking out for each other. And are we dividing the church or, or are we strengthening the church? You know, even today throughout uh, the country and the world, people are divided. The church is not to be that way. You know, when you see divisions in the church, it breaks your heart and it breaks the Lord's heart because that's His body. And there are people that are doing things for different reasons that cause pain in the church and it's not the way the Lord intended it to be. But this morning, as we begin in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, uh, we're going to be looking at three things, and if we, we're probably going to take three studies through this book, maybe two, but today we're only going to look at one major point, and then the next week we're going to have one major point, and then the following week we're going to have one major point. If we decide to uh, combine points two and three into next week's message, then that's what we'll do, but today we're going to be looking at one thing in particular. Now, learning to be responsible is a very difficult thing. It can be a very difficult thing to do. I mean, being responsible, isn't that what our parents told us growing up? You need to start being more responsible. And there might be some of you that are living in your parents' home today, and they have told you that thing very, very regularly. You can hear it echoing in the halls of of your mind. You need to start being responsible, acting responsible. And just for our time, our time together's sake, how many of you here would say that you have responsibilities? Could you raise your hand? Wow. Oh, some of you don't. Man, oh, to be a teenager again. Oh, boy. How many of you here today oversee certain areas at your work? Uh, Maybe you'd say, yeah, I have responsibilities. You don't need to raise your hand. But how many of you oversee maybe an area in your family and you have a responsibility in your family, whether you're the parent or you're the child. And there's certain things that you're responsible for. You know, growing up, we had chores. Some kids today don't know what that word means. Uh, Some do. Uh, But we had chores and we were responsible for vacuuming, dishwasher, and dog food. And those are the three things that my brothers had on rotation. That one of us would vacuum, one of us would do the dishwasher, and one of us would feed the dog and pick up after the dog in the yard. And we were very, very reluctantly responsible in doing those things growing up. See, when you have responsibility, it doesn't necessarily mean that you like that responsibility. You may not even enjoy having that responsibility, but you're in that position to do the responsible thing, which is to take care of that responsibility. Paul, as we segue into our passage this morning, had a lot of responsibility. I mean, besides the things that he dealt with on a personal level, he said in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28, he says, besides these other things which he deals with, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. My deep concern for all the churches. Now, it's one thing to be entrusted with taking care of a practical thing like setting up a chair. It's something entirely different to be responsible for taking care of someone's spiritual well-being. Now, some leaders in the church today, unfortunately, aren't too concerned with what happens to the body of Christ, but rather how they exceed in accomplishing what they are attempting to accomplish. Some, and the Bible tells us, inappropriately preach Christ from selfish ambition, They have a selfish ambition and then they think that the platform of the church is their way to propel them in that vision. It's about their pride and it's about their control. Those, though, that have the heart of Christ are grieved when the church is grieved. When people are hurting, they hurt. And they do anything they can to protect the special people known as the family of God. We learn this in our house groups going through the seven I am statements, but in John chapter 10 verse 11, Jesus said... I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The Lord says, I lay down my life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. This is the heart of the Lord when we are looking out for others' interests. When we are laying down, sacrificing our own wants and our own desires for the benefit of other people. Being in a place of responsibility means that you often go without so that somebody else can have. You know, I think the way that my father raised us kids and took care of my brothers and I and my sister and my mom and how many times he went without so that we could have. It's responsibility. And the same thing applies for some of you in your own families today and how you do the responsible thing and take care of those that you have been entrusted with taken care of. And this leads us to point number one this morning. This is our main thing that we're going to be looking at, and it's going to connect to our next couple of studies, and it's stewardship. Stewardship. Responsibility. To be entrusted with something. In verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, "...let a man so consider us as servants of Christ," and stewards of the mysteries of God. And here Paul is laying out the things that he is responsible for. And he did not take his responsibilities lightly. In the Greek language, that word here for servant or bondservant means a slave by choice. Paul, although he served someone, he served as a free man. He was not a common slave. The Greek word there for steward is overseer. Paul described himself as the man with the responsibilities of overseeing and managing the treasures of his master. Paul served the Lord by his own free will. He didn't have to do it, but rather chose to do it. And the same thing is for us too as well today. I don't have to do the things that honor the Lord. I choose to do those things. And it's in Paul's service unto the Lord that the the Lord entrusted him with the distribution of the riches of God's blessings communicated through the truths of God's Word. And as Paul served the Lord, the Lord gave him stewardship of the churches. He made him responsible for the spiritual well-being of those people in the churches all over the place. And remember, this is the beginning of the church. There weren't multiple churches. There were one church in Different areas. There weren't different denominations. Talk about a massive responsibility. I mean, I think overseeing one church is enough. But talk about all of them. All of them. Maybe you've seen this, but when I was thinking about, man, Paul oversees all of the churches. Talk about a lot. I saw this meme on, on Instagram, and it was a picture of Chuck Norris and Sylvester Stallone. And they were sitting on the hood of a car. And Sylvester Stallone asked Chuck Norris, he said, how many push-ups can you do? And Chuck Norris replied, all of them. (laughs) And uh, I thought, all of the churches, I mean, how many churches are you responsible for? All of them. Talk about a lot. No wonder he was concerned daily with the well-being of the churches. How are they doing there? How are they doing over there? What is up with that guy? Because I know he was hurting and she was going through this and to that and all of the other things that would concern concern your heart and concern your mind about people that you love and that you care about. He says, I'm a servant of Christ and the steward of the mysteries of God. Let's look at that first thing today, the servant of Christ. He says that first, he is a servant of Christ. This is important for us to note this morning, because before I'm anything, I am a servant of Jesus. Before you are anything that you are right now, you are a servant of Jesus if you follow after the Lord. As a follower of Jesus, listen, you're going to be dealing with immense pressure and temptation to conform. You'll be presented with the opportunities to tone down your faith. You'll be questioned about what you believe. You'll be made fun of. You'll be the one that the enemy hopes to pick off and destroy. And would love to remove you from being responsible over the things that God has entrusted you with. Responsibilities at work. In home, in the home, in your personal life. Every Christian becomes a servant. And every servant is given responsibilities. And every responsibility is your stewardship. The spiritual progression is this, if I might just say this slowly. You must first serve before you can steward. And every steward is a servant that's the progression that's the spiritual progression i start out as a servant of jesus christ lord i am here to fulfill your will to perform your purpose your work lord and out of that out of that service unto the lord i become responsible for the things that pertain to god And so he says, first, I'm a servant of Christ. And secondly, let's look at that thing, the steward of the mysteries of God. Paul says he's a steward and that God has entrusted him with responsibility. Now, the mysteries of God, what is that? Well, those things pertaining to the work of Jesus on the cross, those things pertaining to the gathering together of followers of Jesus called the church, because throughout history, there was no such thing as a church. This is where it all came from. What we've been studying, what we've been reading in the book of Acts and in these epistles, we are seeing now God's plan where people from all over the place, different ethnicities, different cultures, different colored skin, coming together into one family called the church. So he says, I'm a servant. And then now I'm also a steward, I'm responsible. And you might even be wondering, how can you be a servant and a steward at the same time? Maybe you're wondering, how does that even work? I thought those two, those two you know, terms, or those, those two positions were kind of uh, you know, mutually exclusive. I'm a servant, and now I'm responsible, I'm stewarding. How does that work? Well, here's how. Paul was a servant of Jesus Christ and an overseer of souls which is the spiritual well-being of the household, of the members of the household of God. Remember what he wrote in Ephesians 2.19. He spoke or wrote to the church and said, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I serve the Lord and now I've been entrusted with responsibilities. Responsibilities. A steward didn't own the things he was responsible for. He managed those things for the owner. He managed those things for the one who owned those things. The same principle, the same principle applies to us. First, we are the servants of the Lord. Not just some common slave, but a bondservant, meaning a slave by choice. I have chosen to follow after the Lord. And secondly, because of that choice to serve the Lord... We have the great privilege to carry out His wishes, to take care of His belongings. And we're going to see in some studies ahead next week or possibly the following week how everything we have, we have been given, we've received from the Lord. The church doesn't belong to a man. Some people think that they they own the church. The church is the Lord's and the leader of the church is Jesus. The pastors and elders are stewards because God has given them a stewardship. God has given those pastors and elders responsibility. But the leader of the church is Jesus. The church doesn't belong to a man. It belongs to the Lord. Now, take that spiritual, uh, that, that spiritual principle and, and then apply that to your own personal life. You're first a servant of the Lord. And now, what has God entrusted you with? What are the things that you're responsible for? Are they things that you think, oh, it's not that big of a deal, and you kind of end up being a little derelict of your duties and not following through with the things that you're responsible for? As a steward, Paul protected, cared for, and preserved his master's belongings, and so should we with the things that God has entrusted us with. Maybe you look at your responsibilities and you're like, I don't want these responsibilities. How come I can't have that guy's responsibilities and he has mine? That's not the way that the Lord entrusted, or the way that the thing the way that the Lord wanted those things to be, and he didn't entrust you with that guy's responsibilities, he entrusted you with your responsibilities. Are you a faithful steward with those things? Are you complaining about those things? Moreover, it says in verse 2, 1 Corinthians 4, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. Isn't that the truth? That we should be found faithful stewards of what God has entrusted us with. Little and big. A lot of times we want the big responsibilities. Some people don't. They're like, nah, I'm cool with my little responsibilities and that's fine. But there are some that say, man, I want to go big. Big. Or, I don't want to be responsible for anything. You've got to start small. Be faithful in the little things, Jesus said, and I'll make you responsible or a ruler over more things or many things, larger things. Some of us wonder why we can't seem to get ahead because we're not taking care of the little things that we're supposed to be taking care of first. Do you have a desire to grow or to be entrusted with more from the Lord? first you're a servant of Jesus Christ and secondly you steward what belongs to him. No that's mine. I worked hard for it. No, it belongs to the Lord and he has given it to you. That's the perspective. The Lord has given you these things and you know we always I mean we've heard the you know the the, the poem you know about the guy that used to complain that he had no shoes until he met a man that had no feet. And we look at, and I know even from my own, my own personal life, with having a special needs child and you go to the, the circles and the therapy sessions and the group time with other families that have special needs kids and you always see that there's somebody that has a child that's just so far worse than what your situation is. And it causes you to thank God for what you've been given. And this applies to so many different areas of our lives. I look at my little baby girl, Aves. And I love her more than anything. That's our precious little girl. And I would never even dream of having somebody else be her parent. That's my girl. That's my little baby. And I've been given my beautiful son, Hudson, who's got a sweet heart. And he's just like his mom in a lot of the things that he does and the things that he eats and won't eat. Because they're not (laughs) British. I don't know how that works out. But he got it and then having a third little one on the way coming in just a couple months we've been so blessed by you guys as the church and in uh, your kindness and, and in your prayers responsibilities little things and how the lord will take a follower of the lord who maybe can't do anything and has problems in being responsible and does and then somebody will submit their life to the lord and say lord i'm your servant what do you want to accomplish what do you want me to be doing, Lord? And then as you follow the Lord, you will see that the Lord makes your service into a stewardship. And as you're serving the Lord and you're following after him, he brings things that are such blessings and he brings things that stretch you. And they bring th- he brings things that cause you to, to rely on him and say, Lord, I need your wisdom and I need your strength. And Lord, this is beyond me. What do I do, Lord? And you find yourself in a place where you're rejoicing over the things that God has given you. And you're going, Lord, I have been so blessed by you. Look at the world around me. Look at those that are in need. Look at those that are having a hard time. And look how good you've been to me, Lord. Because there's always somebody worse off. He says, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. The question must be asked today, be found faithful to whom? To whom? To his master, whom we know as none other than the Lord. Why is it so important for us as servants of Jesus Christ and stewards of what he's given us, why is it so important to understand that we must be first faithful to the Lord? Because he's the one that will judge us for what we have and have not done. He's the one that we give an account to. Some people may not like what you're doing. Just to be frank with you this morning, and you've experienced this, let's just call it for what it is. You stand for Jesus and people don't like it. You have a biblical worldview and people don't like it. You say that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven because Jesus said he was the only way to get to heaven, and people don't like it. You stand for what you believe, and you hold fast to your biblical principles, and people hate you. Well, some people may not like what you're doing as you're serving the Lord, and it's tough luck for them. Because in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul said, "...for do I now seek to persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ." See, the servant is concerned with serving his master and the steward is concerned with protecting the interests of his Lord. That's why Paul says here in verse 3, 1 Corinthians 4, but with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself for I know of nothing against myself yet I am not justified by this but he who judges me is the Lord. What the Corinthians were reading in this letter up until this point and what they were about to read starting in chapter 5 on were going to be some very, very, very serious things. Very uncomfortable but very necessary things. The servant of the Lord is not concerned with others' opinions of himself. The steward of the Lord is not worried about the approval of those he's interacting with, but only concerned with the approval of his master. Now, in the world that we live in today, we should be encouraged by this because California is Corinth. Probably even worse. With our technology and the things that we are able to distribute evil with at such a rapid rate. So he's writing to people that are living in the church but are living worldly. We talked about being a carnal Christian. We thought, how oxymoronic. How can you be a worldly Christian? Well, when a Christian is living according to the lust of the flesh and no longer allowing the Word of God to lead them, but rather society's morals and views, that person becomes a worldly Christian. And you know what? If you are a worldly Christian, you know what the truth is, and it really bothers you if somebody tells you what the truth is because you still have enough of the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin. And it's uncomfortable. And that's why when I was walking away from the Lord in my early 20s and different things that I dealt with in the teens, and my parents or people that I knew were walking with the Lord said, You're doing what's wrong, I would get furious and angry. Because they were absolutely right. And I was choosing to ignore the power of the Holy Spirit that was convicting me of my sin. And that's why you'll see such anger in the life of a carnal Christian. Because they have too much of the world to enjoy the Lord and too much of the Lord to really enjoy the world. And they're conflicted and they're torn. But when you are addressing... A church that is completely overrun by evil as Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and there's things that we're going to be looking at in in regards to sexual immorality and you name it. Paul came from the perspective of I am a servant of the Lord and I am a steward of the mysteries of God. I have been entrusted with these things and so whether I like it or not, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, I am here to do the work of the Lord. And I don't mean any disrespect, but if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I give an account to God. He is my master. He is my Lord. And I need to protect His interests and I need to do what He's called me to do regardless of your opinion on it. And I hope that you can respect me in that. This is the perspective that He has. Some may judge you harshly. Some legal systems may seek to condemn you. That's the little leagues compared to the courtroom of Almighty God. And he says in verse 4, For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Now, it's important for us to understand what he's saying here in verse 4. Though he has a clear conscience, look at this again, I know nothing against myself, he's not made justified before the Lord due to his conscience. Anyone. do what's right in their own eyes. And be like, I don't have a problem with that, so I'm cool. People can have their own consciences numbed. You know, the Bible says that they have been seared as with a hot iron, meaning that they're completely numb to any bit of a conscience concerning what is right and what is wrong. But ultimately, regardless of your conscience, he who judges is the Lord. So, He says, I know nothing against myself. And what a great place to be if you can live in a clear conscience before or live with a clear conscience in your relationship with the Lord. That's a good thing. But he says, even though I have a clear conscience, that doesn't make me right before the Lord. God judges me. And I know the responsibility that I have as a servant of the Lord. And I know the responsibility that I have as a steward of the things that belong to Him that I will give an account for everything that I have been entrusted with and I take that seriously. I know my position. I know my role. In verse 5 he says, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will bring both to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart then each one's praise will come from God. Let's look at the first thing he says here. The hidden things of darkness. What he's saying here, I think, is is twofold in verse 5. I believe that the Lord will judge the motives of the person's actions as well as the motives of the person critiquing those actions. Does that make sense? So, so, that the Lord will judge the person that is doing those things and He'll also judge the motives behind the person, critiquing the person that's doing those things. And you can extrapolate that concept out as far as you would like. There are times when things are just so blatantly wrong that you can see the clear judgment of God upon those things because of what God's Word says. Some people say, don't judge me, man. Listen, I don't need to judge you. And, you know, there are certain things that are so black and white in the Scripture that says, hey man, you're stealing from your company every single day. The Bible says that God judges that. Thou shalt not steal. Do not steal. And there are other things that may be not so clear. But everything that is in the church that is not of the Lord will not be hidden for long. Anything that is In the life of the follower of Jesus that is not of the Lord will not be hidden for long because the Lord cleanses His church, purging it often of what we would consider spiritual diseases. And unfortunately, there are bad people in the church in the general sense, not the true church, but what we know as the church abroad or the organization called the church, and it depends on how people even view that. And if they're not viewing it with a biblical view, view, then we know that it's an inappropriate view. But there are people that work under the guise of a church leader doing wrong things, and it comes out publicly. But the words and the actions come from a deep place called the heart. This is the place where you know the human eye we can't gaze upon those things in the truest sense of what that would mean to look into somebody's heart. See, we determine a person's heart by the words that they say and by the things that they do and then we think we can collect enough data to truly know this person. But in the truest sense of the in the truest sense of the word to know somebody's heart, the Lord knows the heart before any words are spoken or any actions take place. And so when the Lord judges motives, He is saying He sees through everything to the most intimate, innermost recesses of a person's heart. The hidden things of darkness will come to the light. For any of you that are grieved and concerned about certain things that maybe you've seen in the circles of Christianity, the Lord exposes things that are evil. He brings to light things that are of the darkness. And he also judges the counsels of the heart, which is the second thing we see here. There are times when you just don't know about something for certain. And you must defer to God's perfect knowledge and timing in revealing those things. There are certain things that you look at it, and maybe it doesn't seem right, but maybe there's something that you just can't, there's just nothing that you can't, that you can just nail somebody on. Maybe it's just something that the Lord's put on your heart and you watch and you pray and you keep your eye open. The word here for counsel in verse 5, the counsels of the heart can literally be translated purposes. So the Lord does not only bring to light the hidden things of darkness, but he also reveals the purposes of the heart. They will be found out. And you'll find out who was looking for the praise of men and who was looking for the praise of God some of us today that might hit a square between the eyes what there's no hidden sins before the lord that's why we very quickly confess those things to the lord because he's faithful and he's just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness but you'll start to see and guys we need to be aware of this too as a church that there are churches that will veer off from what God's Word says. They'll no longer teach what the Bible says. They'll no longer hold to the things that we've known to be true in God's Word and they will slowly start to drift away. God forbid this ever happen in this church, but if I ever say anything that's not of the Lord, then you bum rush the stage and throw me out of here as fast as you can. The Word of God is our guide. We look to the Lord as the author and the finisher of our faith. See, for Paul, as we wrap up here, regardless of how the Corinthians would criticize him or how they would respond for what he had to say to them, he was confident that the Lord would reveal the things in the church that were of darkness and bring to light even the motives of Paul himself for speaking to the Corinthian Christians. You're just saying that because you're cruel or you're mean or you're hateful. No, listen. The same God that's going to reveal that which is evil is going to reveal the motives and purposes of people's hearts. Even those that are doing the seemingly, apparently right thing with the wrong motivation, those things are going to be coming to the light. It checks ourselves. This, the Word of God, checks us. We check ourselves there because we understand that God doesn't show favoritism. He's not a respecter of persons, and He doesn't care which side you're on. All things are naked and open to Him. He sees all things, knows all things, hears all things. And so as a servant of the Lord, we can go into situations that are difficult confidently, knowing I'm here to honor the Lord I'm just stewarding and being responsible for the things that God has made me responsible for. And you know what? I don't want to find myself being irresponsible because there's an uncomfortable situation or they might get angry or they may not like it. I need to be as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you and me. We need to be more concerned with the Lord's opinion of us than man's opinion of us. I want the praise that comes from the Lord over the praise that comes from man. Now, with this being said, this isn't a forget-you type of attitude that we have as a Christian. That we don't care, you know, oh, they're upset or whatever. This isn't like, hey, yeah, go take a run and jump kind of a thing. No, we, 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 don't, we don't have that kind of attitude. Because if we were to have that kind of attitude, our witness of the love of Jesus would be shot. This is speaking to the church in a way that our hearts need to be in alignment with the heart of the Lord and our actions need to be found to say, as it says in 1 Peter 1.7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, this is the key, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That when you stand before God and he says, okay, what did you do with the five talents that I gave you? Here, Lord, here's 10 back. What did you do with the one talent that I gave you? Here, Lord, here's two. What did you do with the three? Lord, I got 5.5. Here you go. I did the best that I could do with what you had entrusted me with. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So, our identity as Christians is to be found in the genuineness of our faith that encompasses our motives and our actions. Understanding that we're first a servant of Christ before we're a steward of his possessions is key. Lord, I follow you, I serve you, not my will, your will be done. And as we follow the Lord and as we serve him, he gives you responsibilities, he gives you things that you're responsible for. You may not like them, but they're yours. Do a good job with them. Be faithful. Understand that the hidden things will be brought to light. Luke 8 17, Jesus said, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. And you think WikiLeaks does a good job at that? Try the Holy Spirit. Revealing things, showing things. How do you know that? Nobody knows that. I am God. I am omniscient. I know all things. That's the Lord. It's not us. It's the Lord. And so, today as we conclude our study and as we think upon these things and just realize, okay Lord, I'm first a servant and then I'm a steward. I first serve the Lord and then I am entrusted with the things that he's made me responsible over, responsible of. May we be found to be faithful stewards and to be true servants of the Lord, regardless of what people may think or what they may say, because I will stand before God and give an account to the Lord God Almighty, and not to the people that disagreed with my biblical worldview that disagreed with what I was doing in the name of Jesus because the Lord had commanded me to do such because I read it in His Word. And there you will find that you receive the praise from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this day and we thank You, Lord, for Your Word. And Lord, I ask God that You would help what we studied and what we've read today and heard from, Lord, Your Word. About that we would apply these things to our lives. Lord, I ask God that you would now by the power of your Holy Spirit give us the personal application to these things. Lord, as we have seen Paul and how he is a servant of Christ and a steward of God, I pray that that would be the order that we see play out in our lives, Lord, that we're first a servant of Christ and then we're responsible for the things at our job, the things in our family, and whatever else, Lord, we might be responsible over, Lord. May it stem, may it be birthed from, may we find our foundation in the fact that we are servants of Jesus Christ first. And Lord, everyone's entitled to their opinions. Lord, in a world that has rejected You, Father, we know that we will experience tribulation and we will have people that disagree and quite frankly may even hate us or want to kill us, Lord. We, we see that across the globe. But Lord, I ask that we would be reminded today that we desire, Lord, should desire the praise that comes from God and not the praise that comes from man. So Lord, may we be found faithful servants faithful stewards of the things that you've entrusted us with. May we not take our responsibilities lightly. May we take them seriously. And Lord, whatever we put our hand to do, may we say that we do it and may we do it in the name of Jesus and for his glory. And so, Lord, be with your church today. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to bless your people, Lord, as we continue walking with you, serving you, stewarding, Lord, what you've given us to oversee. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen.